on. Welcome to Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut. I'm Liam Allen with my friend, Morris Sachs. Happy Friday, MB. Good to see you. Good Shabbos, my friend. Good Shabbos. You know, I hate to catch you. It's not sundown where you are yet, so you, know, are, you are abiding by the law. <laughs> That's never even stick my toe on the line. Okay. Did you have a good week? Yeah, yeah, a wonderful week. I spent some time up in the mountains away from it all, so I didn't I didn't oh. have to uh pay attention to the early week nonsense. Um I got home and uh there were developments. There was a Bitcoin yeah. ETF. Um things, yeah. Some tunnels exactly. in Brooklyn. There's a new tunnel being dug in Brooklyn. Yeah, you know, actually one of our sponsors, Hamas Tunnel Company, their specialty being hospitals. Yeah. Schools. And churches yep. has opened a satellite office in Brooklyn. Incredible. Welcome to New York. Please visit us. Stop by our office. No, Incredible. Incredible. actually, I think it's the United Nations is tunneling 
beneath the synagogue so they can just kill the Jews directly instead of having to funnel all that money to Hamas. Right, wasting all that time and money. Yeah. Yeah. How, how was your week? Let let me hear about your week because I don't want to hear it was another good week. I prefer a, a bad. I prefer a hard. I had a, week. I had a fucking great week. Ah. A, a, friend, a friend of mine told me, "Stop exercising. Look at all these guys living to ninety and a hundred. You know what? I'm full of energy. I'm I'm having a good time. Yes. You know, I, it's like I'm just so excited. I got all these new ideas for the show." And just, it's just, it's awesome. Welcome, it's, welcome. Welcome to the sedentary lifestyle. It's unbelievable. And you know, I never understood. There's this concept of binge watching something. Sure, I, yeah. Are you familiar with it? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So let me get this right. You sit on your ass and watch TV for like six hours straight. Yeah, the, yeah, the Soprano. You got to do the Sopranos or the Wire. You do the Sopranos, you you okay. start one Sopranos and you can do a whole season. Next thing you know, it's four o'clock in the morning. And you're like you're you're going downstairs for like a bowl of spaghetti. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, the uh, Sopranos, dude. The Wire, dude. I watched The Wire. Like I I, I I got into The Wire and I did like The Wire in like I don't know like like a week at night where I was my wife was like go I've to heard, bed. I've heard it's so good and I never get past the first episode. Okay, all right. I, I'm gonna, you know, what I'm gonna do. I've, you're not gonna watch it. You've told me you're gonna watch it. You're full of shit. Please don't throw down the gauntlet. I'm not gonna fall for that. Okay. Um, I'm gonna put on the subtitles for two okay. reasons. One is it's harder to hear, it seems, and secondly, uh, there's a lot of mumbling going on, and I, sub subtitles will subtitles will help. So. Okay. I'm gonna go that route, but I've heard it's really good. I mean, I I don't know if it's better or worse than Breaking Bad, but I I fell down that Breaking Bad rabbit hole, and you know, E.G. was the one that kind of coaxed me through. He says something like, and he he as usual he nailed it. He's like, listen, Doc, you got to get through episode four. I, it could have been three, it could have been five. I don't know. Let's, let's say four. Mm -hmm. He goes, it, it's going to be torture. But after that, it's off the hook. Wow. And it, it was brutal. It was it was just fucking horror. Mm. But uh, yeah, after that, I didn't miss an episode, which was okay. or something. But uh, I I don't um I don't see myself sitting watching television for like three hours in a row. Is that something you can train for? Um, no, dude, it's usually indicative of some deeper problem that you're trying to escape from. Like maybe 30 minutes for and before bed is fine, but you can't sit down and do four hours. It's just not, it's not good for you. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, so I've noticed, you know, we have our webmistress on residence, uh, uh, Rochelle and, um, you know, I've known Rochelle almost as long as I've known Cheryl. So it's always a great time when she comes and she started keeping a little book of these phrases. And she has promised when she has accumulated enough, um, she's going to put them up on the website. I, you know, starting maybe from the time I was 20, I would say stupid things. And Cheryl would be like, you never run out of these phrases. <laughs> and and um, she said, I should have written them down. Yeah. And, well, now we have an official scribe, so um, 
more on that later. So I, I was, you know, with all this newfound energy, I was kind of wondering, you know, to augment the show, like, do you think for platinum subscribers, we could have like a Zoom call once a no, month or something? No, no, absolutely not. No? Okay. How about um, uh, we do this show on YouTube? No, no, no. Stop. You don't okay. like any of those ideas. I don't. Okay. No. no. All right. You don't That's... like talk. You barely like talking to me. Let alone imagine we had to do this with other people. Stop it. Stop. You'd hate that. Okay. And YouTube, YouTube, you'd be like, take it down. I don't like it. I changed my mind. Okay. So no, let's skip that portion. Yeah, I, there's something about talking on the phone. I I don't. I no, in I... person. I, in person, I'm pretty good. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say great, but. Um, no, no, every phone call with you is a hostage situation. Like if the phone, <laughs> if the phone rings and it's you, something's wrong. I'm like, oh, fuck. like what did I do? Like, I, what did I put on Twitter that I did wrong? Or like, <laughs> thankfully, my delightful daughters have come to understand it's nothing personal. Like Lisa called me today, and we were Facetiming, and it's just like I just like nothing to say. It's like, <laughs> how are you? Good. How's Chris? Good. How's the weather? Sucks. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, I miss you. I miss you too. Okay. Good time. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to your mother. <laughs> we um, a bunch of the cycling guys uh, went out for a steak dinner last night, which uh, was a lot of fun. <laughs> it was an interesting conversation, though. Um, one of the guys. Um, decided he was going to share with us the story of asking his mother-in-law for permission to marry his wife. Okay. Who does that? Hey. <laughs> There's, there was no surprise ending. I mean, it's like, it's like 15 minutes, and, and I love this guy. I think this guy's fucking great. It's like I'm waiting for the punchline, you know? That was it. Um, I think uh, I think I have some apologies to make because last week I got a little carried away with the story about you know Ted and I seeing you on Broadway and Please. you know just to be honest with you, it's three years, right? I'm, I'm just running out of material. <laughs> but uh, as as our favorite officers say. We proceed. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I basically broke my arm this week, patting myself on the back for the job we did on our call on interest rates. I, I finally realized, I don't know the exact level. I do know, wasn't one of the podcasts called Are You Comfortably Nestled? That, what was it, 5%? something like that oh, yeah. and uh, it, it closed at a 414 i think in reality we probably took out closer to 100 basis points well now let me explain something to you because i know uh as shocking as it is you're not originally from wall street a hundred basis point market call that's a career like guys will have a career and they won't they won't get half that. And here you are, you and I giving it away for free. 
Now, that was in September. That was September 10th. On September 10th, okay, you said, are you nestled comfortably yeah. at 5%? September. Okay. How about that? Okay. So let's look at order of magnitude. So let's say you, um, you're a hedge fund manager. You manage $5 billion. So let me see if I can get the math right. You could easily have a position in $10 billion to your notes. So that's 10,000 thousand. You made 100 basis points at $180 a basis point. You made $180 million gross. Now, you get to keep 20% of that. That's $36 million take home. Not only have you and I not seen a lick a penny out of that, we've gotten in aggregate one thank you. One. <laughs> one. So you guys can go fuck yourself. <laughs> Silent we're, majority motherfuckers. <laughs> we're going Harley Bassman. We're going to set up an ETF. MB and Liam ETF. Right? Everyone else does. We're, we're, what's stopping Jesus us? Christ. We should have done it three years ago. <laughs> Talk about what's that? Being a schmuck on ice. I mean, yeah. Jesus Christ. It's like, you know, what's that saying? Why buy the cow when you can get the milk for free? Exactly. God, how about a little respect? I know. I know. Um, I did throw some other things up, but um, if you don't mind, uh, I sent you a copy and I've asked it to be posted on the website, um, the Treasury uh, yields. And I know that our good friend Rupert at uh, uh, Blind Squirrel Macro uh, yeah. got a little bit of a Chabinsky when uh, he heard that old chestnut started getting a little concerned about the um, the long bond rate being a 420. It's mm -hmm. an easy number to remember for, as I said a week ago, that number is significant in many cultures. Mm -hmm. um, the Oddly enough, the fucking long bond closed at 420. <laughs> um, but the two-year note, my favorite, at a 414, I, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little, um, I, not feeling the love there. I, I uh, keep in mind, this is uh, just two friends chatting, but all of a sudden, and you probably don't have us up in front of you, I think the six month bill at a 535. Yeah. You get to shorten up. You're taking out duration risk. Um, there's no real convexity issues at this point. Sorry, Harley. Um, but uh, you know the the reason for my trepidation. What's wrong is, with the three month? What's wrong with the three month at five three? Uh, you got to roll it a couple of times. Okay. You know, I I I like not having the unlike most newsletter people who we know i like not trading they all have too many trades and i won't i won't name them but you know yep. single them out but there's two guys and one gal who i have read and just like in amadeus there's too many notes okay you don't need 
you, you don't need that many trades. And, and, and you may recall me saying how from time to time, I would go up and down the line and say, do you love these trades? And if I didn't get a, yeah, I'd be like, get the fuck out. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, there's just to let you know, there I have absolutely no structure where where this is going to go. But I've already got the the Hamas comment out of the way. So, um, <laughs> but uh, so I was thinking about what we could talk about, and you know the so the Bitcoin thing got passed. Before which, you go to that, can you talk about the two ten spread? It's almost it's um, getting it's getting it's. Let's come. Let's come back to that. I, I, I think we can talk about it. But let me let me get to this other point first because I, I, I think they are uh, a derivative, effectively. So long, long and short. There's been a couple of these products, the lead metal, and crypto, and they've taken up a lot of the discussion in the marketplace. And you presciently named um, one of our podcasts called There Is Now an Alternative. And I started thinking about the fact that, you know, you might like gold, but now in a year's time, if gold isn't 5% higher, you've lost money. In two years, if it's not... 10% higher plus the compound interest, you've lost money. Now, in three years, is it 15% higher? Four years, is it 20% higher? And last week, we talked about the uh, nut job who didn't understand the rule of 70s. I mean, you can see very quickly that um, these assets, which don't generate income, now they, they have a hurdle rate. And um, to me, and, and how does that relate to the yield curve? You know, I, I think what that does is it starts to drive people to become more aware of the cost of money. And you can see that, um, especially on a day like today, the two-year notes were up 6.30 seconds. And the bond was down half a point. There, you can count on both hands the number of days a year that they move in op opposite directions, right? So the, the market's starting to normalize. And part of that normalization is the appreciation of the true cost of money. So what does that mean for twos, tens? I think we're starting to enter a much more normal period. Um, the one thing I th think we've tossed around with great regularity is since the COVID shakeup, you know, if you followed the old book, you didn't make any money. I'm starting to think that we are headed for a protracted period of mixed signals from the economy. I think the economy will grow. I don't think it's going to grow aggressively. You're certainly not seeing that uh, um, in, in the shape of the yield curve. The curve, the curve's flat. If 
people thought I was going to grow aggressively, we'd be back inverted. If they thought I was going to collapse, it would be, you know, steep or possibly sloped. And I, I don't think the thing people are set up for is a long period of of nothing. And and you're just seeing something we predicted probably, if not a month ago, months ago. These layoffs on Wall Street are continuing. Citibank just knocked off a bunch of people. And that that stuff's going to continue. And, you know, it's sort of like nature sides with the hidden flaw. Uh, I think volumes are going to decline. Um, the cost of capital is up, so there's going to be less new deals. Um, I don't think we go into any horrible economic outcome like that uh, uh, Claude from Double Line mm-hmm. was uh, forecasting. Um, you know, even I, a guy who hates stock market all day long you know if we went sideways for five years that cures a lot of evils because the earnings per share will grow the economy will grow and you know you can grow into these prices now it puts everybody out of business and the investors don't love it because they don't get the instantaneous capital gain but what investors want and what investors get ain't usually the same thing so we'll see i you know for me uh i did mention at 420 that right felt a little rich to me um i uh have been i believe i've been open about I was heavily committed to fixed income, long dated stuff. Um, but much to, uh, I'm sure, the uh, uh, blind squirrel's chagrin, I, I don't believe I advocated selling anything. And uh, I sold an amount equal to the amount of cash. I'm going to need for the next year. So uh, I just, the market, the back end of the market trades short to me. Uh, the only thing that was pushing me to be more aggressive about selling was the fact that I'm up a lot of money, which is absolutely the worst reason and the best sign not not to sell. So I I was counseled by uh, Leslie Harris Life Coach, LLC, Incorporated, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, EG, who are my technical guys. Yeah. And they both thought the charts looked uh, pretty good, and they got me over my period of anxiety. And, uh, you know, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chill here until I really get a comfortable feeling that the economy is doing one thing or another, um, either slowing and I'll figure out a way to get longer or uh, speeding up. And if that's the case, I'd, I would lighten up the long end very quickly. But I, I just 
I don't really see it, you know. I, I, there's so many eases baked in the cake, and we have a Fed meeting in March. There's one before that, but I checked right before we got on uh, started, and Bloomberg had the probability of a move in uh, January of ostensibly zero. So mm -hmm. it's looking for the first ease in March. And I know you're supposed to think about um, not what the Fed should do, but what the Fed is going to do. I, at this point, and I know this will ruffle somebody's feathers, I think I know better than the Fed. I, I've been doing this longer than them. And certainly uh, a brief disgruntled listener aside, I, I think my results have been better. I don't think they should be easing at the next meeting. I, I think, you know, what's the rush? What's 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 the rush? Let's let's make sure the inflation thing is well contained. You know, and uh but will they do that? I I I don't know. But going back to the pricing again, if they don't ease, that two year note ain't gonna be hanging out at 414 it's it's going to back up a lot i don't i wouldn't deign to uh to predict how much but i mean it it would it would back up i don't know 50 basis points probably yeah uh, in, muhammad in al arian muhammad muhammad al arian agrees with you he uh oh then i'm wrong Oh, my my man Muhammad. No, come on, please. Muhammad, pull over. <laughs> he, said, he says, I suspect we will see inflation at the CPI level get stuck at 3%. And then the Fed is going to have to make a difficult decision. They're going to tolerate it for longer, or they're going to try to reduce it to 2% too quickly and risk on the real economy. I'm just saying that's what uh, he said this morning. But like, yeah, you know, they, they're, they haven't gotten inflation in check yet. Right. If you still got a three percent hot print, like you said, time will cure that. But well, I haven't I, killed it yet. I don't want to pretend I'm up to date on the latest greatest inflation number. Okay, you you know I am an old retired guy, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I think you know people are betting a lot that. It's the direction, which is why we have the easing price then. And I, I think the market gets ahead of itself. Now, I know the Fed likes to let the market lead them. But, you know, speaking as someone who is getting older and towards the end of their career, which is the same thing with Jerome Powell, you start to think about, you know, how are people going to view you in 10 or 15 years? And I, uh, I'll i tell you about myself in a minute, but in his case, um, I don't think he wants to be looked at as the guy that had the chance to put the, the nail through the heart and didn't do it, right? Um, for me, this is a little corny, but hey, Bucket, it's all about me anyway. Um I'm really happy with our call on rates 
specifically the two-year note. And the reason is this. I have come from a long line of very prominent two-year note traders in the government bond market. Now, I, I know that isn't a big deal to really anybody, but so when I started at Continental Bank, the guy who was a head of the department's name was Mike Rigg, or they called him Mo, Mo Rigg. And he was a Fed watcher. I, I think he might have worked at the Fed and he was like Mr. Two-Year Note in Chicago. And then I took the job at Aubrey Lanston. You know, we all know the Eccles family and Jack Freeman was Mr. Two-Year Note. Yeah. And, and then John Ford was like, they called him the Archer because he was in charge of the bills. Uh, after that, uh, you've probably in your travels read about John Francis Eckstein, who was a short end guy uh, that uh, blew up uh, and got screwed over by uh, John Merriweather. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I spent time working with uh, with John, and you know, I each one of these guys at that point in time when I worked with them, that that they were king of the hill and. And so, in a way, it delights me in, in many ways to get the two-year note rate right because I, I feel like I'm honoring their their memory a little bit. You know, it's like they they took the time and invested in me, and you know, I took it and made money and spent it and hookers and cocaine, and I squandered the rest. Uh, but no, I think that's I think that's great, and. Uh, I, I know our caption about the guy asking if we got any more than five and a quarter to your notes could, could be a little on the insensitive side, but, you know, humor requires someone to be the butt of a joke. And if that's it, so be it. So, um, uh, is there anything I have one other thing, but, I seem to be hogging the conversation. No, no, no. You said something about Bitcoin. I want to hear about your Bitcoin. I heard like well, I I just I just recall, you know, there 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 are many sayings on Wall Street. Some are worthless, but many have more than an ounce of truth to them. And one is beware a market that doesn't go up on good news. If you follow that is your only trading rule in your entire career, you're a wealthy man. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I pointed out, and it's up on a couple of charts again, uh, I pointed out um, the ARC fund, which, again, I'm more of a fundamental guy, but I hold certain charters, not all, but certain charters in very high esteem. And, um, you know, I put the ARC uh, fund chart up and uh, ugly. you'd have to say that they had good news this week. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't you think the passing of uh, the Bitcoin thing be, I mean, that's what they were hoping especially for. Dude, she, especially, dude, she came out and said that Bitcoin is going to 1.5. Five million now. That's her new price target. Okay? I, I don't. I don't it's even. In, well, it's insane. It is in. 
saying, dude, she was all, oh, I don't watch, I don't watch the, the daytime television, but I got reports that she was all over Bloomberg and CNBC hawking the ETF and, and calling for Bitcoin to go to $1.5 million. Dude, she's off the reservation. One of the charts that I, I sent you is the short-term chart of this uh, ARC fund. Now, again, I'm not a chartist, but if you look at this chart, the only thing that's going to stop this thing is when it hits zero. Yeah. It's just the ugliest fucking chart I think I've ever I've ever seen in my yeah, life. People don't um, care. But what, what I'm curious about is how she is allowed to make such grandiose statements and um, get away with it. Well, I, I think the simple answer, and I, I've run out of disparaging words to call Gary Gensler. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just, uh, there, I, I, I don't know. I, I've run out of words. And it's a little bit like yelling at your wife. Like if I if I say something nasty, then I'm the bad guy. The guy is so pathetic, and I get the whole it's the law, blah 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 blah. He approves it, and then if you read what he said, he's like, "Oh, this is a terrible thing." Way to go, champ! Is is there one politician? in the United States of America that has a set of balls? One? Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren. Which, where, where is Kintanti? She came out and made a very, uh, she made out and made a bold statement about how Bitcoin is for money laundering and blah, blah, blah. And she said something about, she she took a shot at Gensler saying, allowing it to burrow farther, further into our financial system or something. But, but then life goes on, you know, then she goes, then, then there's Monday and it's out, it's forgotten. My favorite writer, um, Howard Marks, has a new memo out. Uh I saw it like a day or two after it came out. Um, I really like the way the guy writes. He just, it's just he writes like a, a professor. He's, he, he, he's a dude. He brought up Mark Twain. He brought up Mark Twain. He's, he's a, he's a red gentleman. He, he is clearly a man of words. Well, he, you know, you, you, but you, you know, I think you, I think you said some things calling him a professor that that's not that great a comment these days. Ah, no, dude, I say it. I, I say it as okay. I say it as a compliment. Okay, there's certain professors, yes, that, you know, that still carry that, like where it's a compliment. Like I sometimes think you of you like a professor doing a class. Sometimes, sometimes Thank you you have oh. a professor, an air of professorship to you. But Marx wrote that thing. He, I feel like he dumbed it down a little for people like me. You know, that are you know like a plumber from the Bronx can read it. But it was a good note, dude. Before you disparage the plumbers from the Bronx, okay? You truly have to have a mastery of a subject to explain it in layman's terms. And I don't think he dumbed it down. I think he wrote how he sees it. Yeah, no, it was and, brilliant. And, and it seems dumbed down, maybe, because of its simplicity and its clarity. Dude, that's right. what it was. It was it was a good read. I don't. I shouldn't say dumb down. You know what it is. Sometimes you get these newsletters where you it's fucking garbage, dude. Where it's it you can tell the dude's a nerd that can't communicate. And like, here's the chart. Here, like, 
and like well, that, dude, he, he's a communicator. It just yeah. it flowed. It, you know, it was beautiful. That's my whole point about using the big words like, you know, exogenous. So here's another word I, I've come to kind of question. Concomitant. Concomitant? Concomitant. Okay. Simultaneously. Come on. AKA at the same time. Okay. But now we got now I'm sure in the world of English literature, that's significant. But you know, when I realized when you looked up exogenous mm -hmm. and the answer was out of sample, um, you know, I started realizing that 98% of this stuff is people, you know, bullshitting with words, making a whole lot of, right? Totally. Yeah. So, but uh, Howard Marks did recommend a book, which I bought uh, called The Price of Time, The Real Story of Interest. Now, I haven't read more than the first two or three pages. I will report back whether I recommend it or not, but there's a quote in the early part already, which I love, and it is, our earth is degenerate in these latter days. Bribery and corruption are common. Children no longer obey their parents. Every man wants to write a book, and the end of the world is evidently approaching. That was written on an Assyrian tablet in the year 2800 B.C., was not written, AC, that not, was written yesterday. That was not, a, not AC, BC. Somebody wrote that yesterday. That was, that was yesterday. Okay. How can this? How can this not be a fucking good book? That can't be true. That's got to be. That, that's got to be fabricated for 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 the story. You know what? It's it's one of my quotes. Someone asked me about something. She says, "Is that true?" I said, "I I made it up." No, it's a lie. She goes, "You lied." I said, "It's show business." <laughs> Thank you. Well, I I try to tell the truth. I yeah. it's the easiest thing to remember. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. No, um, so you know, really uh, caught up with this thing where we've been doing this over three years now, right? And I would say I personally have gotten more out of it than anybody. I know you feel similarly. Um, I do think, as I look back and going forward, I think it's tough to try and come in and have something interesting to talk about and not just be throwing mud at people and stuff. The The problem is it's it's really easy to do. And nobody really does it, you know. Uh I, I give you a, kind of a, a tangential example. So you heard my long drawn out yarn about how uh, Bank of New York Mellon, the worst fucking bank in the world. And by the way, Mellon, I think, was also a shitty secretary of the Treasury, I believe. Which makes sense because it's a shitty bank. Got it. So I've sent them a notarized affidavit. affidavit yep means now if I lied, it's fraud, yep. right? There's been a report filed with the post office, okay? Still no bueno. Right. Okay. So 
it led me, and I don't know if I asked you this question last week, but I'll ask it again because I, I didn't get an answer, and it's not good. I said, what happens if you come in and let's say you have a Schwab account. Just I'm just pulling a name out. And let's say all your securities are gone. They're, they're just gone. You're fucked. I'll tell you why you're fucked. Because from what I can tell, the FDIC insures your broker or bank against that corporation going out of business. It clearly says, from what I remember, this insurance doesn't cover theft. So I've asked the question, like, well, what 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 happens? And I'm getting a lot of puzzled looks. And the last thing I left, it, because it was Friday, and, you know, we had to get the house ready for Shabbat and all that. But my broker, who is working diligently, I think very highly of, I'm looking at the DTCC Depository Trust Corporation, which is where a lot of these securities sit. Mm -hmm. But I haven't found anything in there that is giving me any reassurance. Now, you might say it's a chicken little thing. But on the other hand, you know, this um, hacking and the uh, cyber theft is in the news every day. Yeah, somebody said, wait until they hack the bit, they steal the bitcoins from the ETF. They were like, you know, they're like, that, that, yeah, they, that that's coming. Come. I'm, you know what? I might learn to hack just to see if I can do that. You don't think how, the Russians are working on that? <laughs> how fucking great would that be? How fucking great would that be? Is somebody said or wrote to us? Um, they they'll pay like five hundred bucks to show me some practical real world application of what sure. the Bitcoin does. Yeah. So, anyway, let me get to this note that one of our readers sent. Um, just give me a second, see if I can find yeah, it. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, okay, let's see. Dear Penthouse, no, that was something else. Sorry. Um. <laughs> Old men. Look, I never, I never knew the letters in in these were true <laughs> until this happened to me. I, I, that, I mean, that's what I've heard. I, what yeah. Was that magazine even still out? I was going to tell a fraternity, dude. Our fraternity, you have to get when we were pledges at the fraternity. You had two choices at lunch when you were a pledge. This is it. This is in college. You had two choices at lunch when you were a pledge. You to get up on the chair, and you could either tell a hook story about your romantic conquest from the weekend. And it had to start with dear penthouse. I never, <laughs> okay. So by the time the guy got that out of his mouth, the place was going nuts. All right. Yeah. Or you could like, or there, there was a big demand for Simpsons trivia. If you could stump the brotherhood on Simpsons trivia, you could get off the chair, but otherwise oh. you were on the spot and they were firing questions like history questions, but you could get off the chair with a good hook story. So if you ever get up on the chair, you start to your penthouse letters, you're get you're off the chair. Your life was made that day. You know, um, Leslie's a big, uh, deep Simpson guy. Maybe you, the two of you could, oh. uh, no, um, I didn't. I, I I knew nothing. I know nothing about the Simpsons, but there was one kid that had seen every one. He would get us off the hook. Oh, the, come on, Willoughby, get up there and give me some Simpsons trivia and get us out of here. 
so this guy writes in, I won't read the whole letter, but it does start out talking about how he was riding his bike and the show dropped mm-hmm. and he turned it on and he said, fuck it, I'll listen to the fish. Mm-hmm. And apparently it was one of your little times where you had like a half hour of fish or something. <laughs> and by the time the guy got where he was going, he was like hooked. Yeah. yeah. But he, he, he wanted to know, this is a very fair question. I, I, uh, disparaged the, the the municipal bond market every chance I get. Yep. And he basically said something like, um, well, long story short, he's like, are you are you making fun of it? Or, you know, do, is there something there? Yeah. And um, the answer is yes, I'm making fun of it. But there that municipal bond market has been very good to me over my entire career. The weakness for the average investor is that there's an infinite uh, infinite amount of municipal bonds. And I wouldn't say each one is completely different, but it's almost that close. Okay. That's number one. Number two, the bulk of the bonds after they trade for 60 or 90 days, they go away, meaning they get stuck in some account. Never, they never see the light of day. Okay. Meaning if you buy them, you can't really count on getting a decent bid for the things, right? Um, I believe, I believe they have an insanely low default rate, insanely low, like risk adjusted. Yeah, you need like a dam to break for something to default. <laughs> yeah, and then the whole town get flooded out and the bank and the money, like, yeah, yeah. That's the only but, way. <laughs> but because of the size of the issuance, it's not, issues aren't huge. Like they might issue... 10 million or 20 million or 50 million of a block of bonds. And and even if it's 50, it's probably scattered over a series of of maturities. So it might be 50 million, but it could be five tranches of 10 or 10 tranches of five or whatever, right? So again, you don't have this deep pool of liquidity. So there's a few things that really work in my favor that I think are unique. Um, one is my literally my first part-time job at 19, maybe 18, 18, was I worked for a municipal bond broker dealer. So there was nothing when I was introduced to them that I hadn't already heard. So I felt very much at home with that. Um, secondly, when I went to work at Greenwich Capital, they had two of the top muni guys in the business working there. And they went out on their own at the, the local brokerage house. And I I sat next to these guys for a couple of years. They're, they're 
rock solid great guys and we've developed i would call it uh, a symbiotic relationship where um they're out all day hunting for bonds and when they find bonds they think are interesting they'll do all the deep digging and when they find the amber grist they'll bring it over to me and they'll say what do you think and then we'll re-underwrite the whole thing again right and then and only then we'll buy it and um one of the things that uh helps them with me is it's another independent set of eyes and secondly you know i i can take a block of the things which you know even if i don't end up getting them all they know they can lean on me and they can make sales if you know they get or yep. all thinking, if they get stuck right yeah yep. the beauty the benefit for me is uh I, i reliable so i generally get an early peak at these things and I pay full board commission. So I don't, I'm not haggling with them over, you know, the, uh -huh. and you'd be surprised with just how cheap rich people can be. Oh, I know. And so over the years, it's been a lot of fun. We've had some great trades. Um, I don't think we've really ever had a bad trade. I, we've had trades where, I might have had the wrong call on rates, but I don't think to this day we've, I'm probably jinxing it now, um, uh, we've ever had a bond that's been a problem. They they did actually, this is funny, it'll embarrass them, but, but tough. They called me up one day and apparently there was some federal housing bond or something. It was government guaranteed. But it was to provide multifamily housing for um, Native American Indians. And they start explaining this bond to me. And I go, wait a minute. <laughs> I had just come back from one of those fly-in fishing things up in Canada where they have the Cree Indian guides. And I had the misfortune of stumbling upon their campsite. <laughs> yeah yep and and i said i've seen how these people live i'm not buying these bonds <laughs> and they laugh and they go away and i remember being on the plane flying down uh with zervos and um uh the guy we call the third guy from the left to meet with the fed and apparently he bought a bunch of these bonds and he's talking about how they're like deer running through the housing project. But I think they were money good. I think they were money good. So, but uh, so the answer is really, I think people are supposed to stay away from municipal bonds because it's highly unlikely you're going to be able to find somebody that can do this amount of due diligence. And the last thing you want to buy 
is an ETF on municipal bonds. Okay. They get the tag ends, they get the shit. They're levered, which they don't tell anybody. And they're le they're levered like a third. And when they get redemptions, they gotta sell. They're completely price insensitive. Uh yeah. It's you know, that's where the line, like we may have taken some liberties with our female guests. Yeah. The the only time, and I don't know that I would even agree with this now, but E.G. and I had once opined that if you felt the Fed was going to start easing aggressively, you would want to grab these muni ETFs because you could get them in a hurry, right? Because you just pick it up, it's an yep. ETF. And it's levered, which, you know, you're not supposed to know, but it's levered. Okay. And then um, as the Fed eases, credit spreads usually narrow. So that is the one of the very few times. And, and I'm at this point in my career, I'm too old to, to be thinking about that stuff. But um, uh, so, yeah, muni bonds are great if you know what you're doing. If not, you're, you're going to lose some fingers. Yeah. Um, I'll leave it, up, leave it up to you to take it from there. But so. You think Jerome Powell wants to uh, crash the economy before the election? No, I, 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 I think he wants to get the inflation thing fixed. And the last I looked, the employment statistics look look like he's got a lot of room to do nothing. Do nothing. Yeah, I mean, so this is January. The elections in November. Right. I, I it, again, this is completely I believe this is completely apolitical. You, Trump's going to get elected president. Um, I don't know, dude. I was up in New Hampshire. You know what I saw? You know what signs I saw everywhere? It was in Haley signs, dude. I spent a week up in New Haley. Every intersection. I didn't see any Trump signs. I saw Nikki Haley signs all over New Hampshire. Look, I, I think she's talented. Uh I, I don't feel comfortable saying I would endorse her vote. I haven't made up my mind yet. Ken, you know, Griffin, I, Ken Griffin did. Uh, he also wants to make Florida the financial capital of the world. Dude, he had but, to leave. Bro, he had to leave Chicago. You can't. You got to leave Chicago. Where's it? What's he going to do? Where's he going to go? Jersey? New York. He's got, he's got a crib in New York. It's it, it's probably. I wouldn't go up. I wouldn't go up in that fucking place, bro. How many stories up is it? A lot. It's a lot, you know, dude. Do you do you know? I I had my son-in-law explain this to me. These buildings are so tall. Mm -hmm. They have pendulums. Mm -hmm. Did you knew this? Dude, they show. I saw the. They. I saw the video of the thing swinging the other night. No chance. I'm going up above the above above Empire State Needle height. Okay. I'm out on that. That's, that's dude, your that limit. Thing, I get sick looking at it, dude. And he lives up on the top of that thing. Absolutely not. Well, the Empire State Building is your hard deck. You that, don't. Yeah, absolutely. Up. Yeah, that's where I top off, dude. <laughs> I'm I'm good there. Okay. 
Okay. Anything above that is bananas, dude. The building's swinging around. Like I, I'm not. No, thank you. Have fun up there, Ken. Like I. That's not to me. Is not the the lap of luxury. Is up in the clouds, looking down at New York City. Get the fuck out of here. Put that <laughs> on the side of a mountain. Okay, where it's stable. Okay, and I want like a bunker behind it so that when the doomsday does arrive, you know, in November, I can go down in my bunker. Okay. Well, I I know who can dig the tunnels for you. <laughs> they're branching out. They're in Brooklyn. I, I, I'm not kidding. I want to know who your rich and powerful friend is that's a prepper, because if things go bad, I'm going to go and hail that person to where they're going. I have thought about this long and hard. Don't bother. There's no. <laughs> Just stay. Well, no, here, th this is after 9-11, okay, since then, we have at home, two weeks worth of non-perishable food and water. Okay. Yeah. You know why? Because at week three, okay, if it's not, if it's not solved, it's, <laughs> you know, you're you know living somebody named Bubba. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, um, I was reading the Daily Shot this week, mm -hmm. and they had an interesting chart it showed where couples are meeting their spouses. Okay. So, you know, of course you would think the first place would be um, maybe online dating. This mm -hmm. thing. So the most popular one, uh, the most likely way to meet your spouse is through friends. And then, um, you know, at, a, at, a, mm -hmm. at an occasion, this or that. But what was noticeable by its absence was I, I didn't see prison in there. That was no, 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 no. You don't seem surprised by that. I don't like it struck me as odd. But. Oh, no, no, no. Dude, if you want to meet any any single guy out there, anyone there's apparently guys can't meet girls. You can just take my kids to the grocery store or the park. Dude, and wear, and wear a ring. Put a ring on. Put a ring on and take the kids to the grocery store. Dude, women, like, crash their cart into me, and they're like, oh, excuse, oh your kids are so cute. <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah. really, it's or a bit much. Get a, like, dog, get a dog and go to the dog park. The kids, like, the kid, forget the dog. Borrow the kid. First of all, it's a symbiotic relationship. You can borrow the kids for two hours, okay? You take them down to the park in Greenwich. You meet some nice housewife that's bored during the daytime and you can go on a nice lunch date and uh i'll take the kids back at three o'clock everyone wins you know yeah win 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 amazing um dude the what are, what are what are on your list of concerns i don't i don't like when everything's hunky-dory with you. you i need some global macro concerns i like there's got to be something like well, is it too I, early to to fear the election and get out of the market because it's politicized i don't know i don't think that matters really okay. um you know, my again, my son-in-law broached this topic with the Houthis trying to blow the oil. Did I pronounce that wrong? Houthis. Houthis. I pronounced the H. <laughs> no, I am not Hootie. Exactly. <laughs> so what, they're lobbing rockets at us and we're gonna yeah, he, he, said, he made the point. He goes, you know, they keep at this, they're gonna they're gonna hit something. Yeah. And lo and behold, 24 hours later, the US is putting the smackdown on the thing. I, you know, I'm into the area right now of the unknown unknowns, which is why, you know, if the long end rallies in price another 10 or 15 basis points, 
I'm going to get closer to zero, you know, owning, I don't really own any front end paper. Um, but you know, that two year note all of a sudden seems a little asymmetrical. And again, you know, um, to be flat as a position too. Um, and especially when the funds rate is 5%, I don't plus or minus. So I don't know what your money market fund pays. Uh, you know, if if you're anxious, if somebody's anxious, there's nothing wrong with taking the time out and just moving to the sides, especially earlier in the show, you know, 5% in a year is 5%. And in two years, it's 10%. And three years, so in three years, is the stock market going to be up 15%? Historically, you would expect it to be, but that's over a 20-year horizon. You don't know what the next 12 to 18, 24 months are going to be. And uh, I, I just, you know, really, again. Uh, not even going to urge caution. We're not even going to urge caution. I, I, I don't, you know, you're asking, you know, what am I worried about? I, I, I'm not, I never lack for things to be concerned about vis-a-vis -vis the market. But I think right now the biggest risk is the the exogenous event, the stuff you. that you just you. don't see. I don't think, you know, the payroll number is on a precipice. I don't think the interest rates are too egregiously high or too egregiously low. My opinion of the stock market is worthless. You know, um, I no longer am going to spend any <laughs> mental capital on Bitcoin and gold. Why? Because, you yeah. know, 5%, 5%, 5%. You want to think the world's coming to an end and own some gold? God bless you. You know, you, you, you want to do the Bitcoin thing? Knock your socks off. I'm not spending any more time thinking about it. Not when I can do nothing and, and get 5%. And, and, you know, it's not that 5% is that high or that low, but you're not losing purchasing power. Mm -hmm. And it's ostensibly riskless. That's that's the point. So it's the magic of it. <laughs> it's just too simple. It's so. just incredible. Riskless. Riskless. Do you under do, do people under when do you ever hear that word? We might have never the said last, the last time I heard that was when someone was trying to explain SPACs to me. You can't lose. <laughs> and my reply was, I've never made money on a trade where I was told I couldn't lose. I still don't understand them. Oh. Well, I'm getting hungry. I think it's time right, to off you uh, go. Yeah, I know. You got a really Shabbat dinner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, first the you know, the blessing of the wine and then the bread. And then uh, you know, we've got to uh feed the tunnel diggers. Uh, out here in the West, it's, dude, it's can I can I just laugh, dude? I love, I absolutely love. It. It's so on brand that they hired they hired um like Spanish day laborers to dig. Is that right? <laughs> I saw it. I I don't know if it's true. I heard that they subbed it out to Spanish guys. It, it's so on brand for like unlicensed contractors in New York City. Hey, what do you do? You're gonna bring the Spanish guys in? They're gonna dig at night. Don't worry about the permit, dude. You know there was a guy on Twitter. That was like, the Jews are digging tunnels under my apartment, like months ago. And people are like, 
okay, dude, this is Twitter. We get it. You're going crazy. Tinfoil hat. Yeah. He's like, he's like, no, I hear him speaking Yiddish in the basement <laughs> and I hear him digging. Dude, this was like, I would, this is why I will never leave Twitter. They will have to clutch it. They will have to get it from my cold, dead hands. Okay. Because only on Twitter can I find out that there was a, a real life actual resident of Brooklyn right on 770 Brooklyn Highway or whatever it is in Crown Heights that said they're digging under my tunnel. And people were like, yeah, okay, dude, sure. I'll find that. I'll find them. And I was, cause somebody said it to me, I was like, no way it's fucking real. They were like, he said they were digging. Cause dude, it's like New York. Like people are like, ah, I hear, I swear Jews are digging tunnels under my apartment. And people were like, ah, maybe, but yeah, like mind your business. Sure enough, dude. <laughs> you know, with any luck, they'll hit oil. You know, <laughs> it's incredible. Right, exactly. <laughs> All right, um, have a good weekend, my friend. It's great seeing you. Take care.